Welcome to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz, a candid conversation as we learn about types of dementias, such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, frontal temporal, and Lewy body, and the effects on the people we love. Jill's years of dedication and experience help you adapt, overcome obstacles, and find positive outcomes. It's time for Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. Hey everybody, I am so happy to be back in the studio after Christmas celebrations are over and we're looking forward to the new year. And I know um, a lot of you may or may not be looking forward to the new year because we've been really stuck in the house with our family members that have various diseases, dementia diseases, and so forth. And I want to make sure that, you know, I don't over talk or, you know, say, you know, talk just for the sake of talking, but it has come up so many times about what is dementia? What does it mean? And I had someone say to me recently, um, gosh, my husband has Parkinson's, but I'm sure glad he doesn't have dementia. So I decided that today will probably be a little bit of a, a, a shorter show. I might not go a full hour. Um, I'm just going to talk about what is dementia, what are the various dementias, and just bring this back to the forefront because I want to make sure that my care, caregiver nation really understands and is able to speak intelligently and articulately about this subject. It makes me crazy when I meet people living with one of these dementia diseases and they don't understand how all these fall into place. So again, I'm going to go through uh, what they are, what dementia is, and what are reversible dementias, and what are dementia diseases, uh, to try to clarify this for you again today. To begin with, the word dementia is not a disease, and it does not mean memory loss. What it is, is a definition, and it states, cognitive impairment serious enough to affect activities of daily living. Okay, it's just a definition. It does not mean memory loss. So, there are, if you could picture in your mind, two umbrellas. One umbrella would say reversible dementia, and the other umbrella would say dementia diseases. Let's start with the reversible dementias. So somebody could have a vitamin deficiency. And sometimes if you go to the doctor and say, I've been struggling with my memory, my thought process isn't real clear right now, I don't know what's going on. One of the first things they will say to you is boost your vitamin B12 and your vitamin D. If you were having those kind of symptoms and you take a vitamin supplement, a one a day or something like that, you wouldn't per se want to uh, divvy this out and just take vitamin D or vitamin B12, but a one-a-day vitamin could certainly get you all you need for the impact that you'd like on your thought process and memory. But uh, if you were to supplement that and and take take that extra boost, 
your thought process could clear up. And if it does, that is a reversible dementia. You could have a concussion, hit your head, have dizzy spells, have double vision, have a little bit of slurred speech, uh, struggle with your balance and things like that. But if you let your brain heal over six to eight weeks, you would have a reversible dementia. We can have thyroid problems. Uh, thyroid problems, if you've ever had it, you know it makes your equilibrium off. It feels a little bit like vertigo sometimes. Um, you, you lose your balance. You have weight gain. You feel like your memory's not quite there. A little bit of kind of foggy fogginess in your brain. But if you go to the doctor, it gets diagnosed. They put you on a thyroid medicine. Those symptoms subside and you are getting better. That is a reversible dementia. So that's kind of how those work. And there are several other things, uh, maybe taking medications like pain medication or Ambien. There are people who have taken Ambien and they do out-of-body things. They, they hit people, they break items in their homes, they drive and are not aware of it. And we can have a lot of really strange issues around that. And so that would, if you take that medication away or you adjust the dosage to something that better fits your height and weight, then you can feel better, those symptoms go away, and you have irreversible dementia. Now, moving to the dementia diseases. There are approximately 160 different types of dementia diseases. There are no cures for any of them. I wish there were. We're working on it. There are several research labs all around the world that are getting incredibly close to having a medication that can slow the progression and that can help people to have better cognition. And I look for the day in my lifetime when we find that cure. I certainly hope so. I really want that to happen. And, uh, I pray for it every day, and I hope all of you do too. Having said that, the number one type of disease under the dementia flag, we think, is Alzheimer's. We think about 90% of people that have some type of dementia probably have Alzheimer's. Second to that is Parkinson's disease. Yes, Parkinson's disease is a dementia, and it's because it affects people from a cognitive level. Uh, cognition is thought process and anything having to do with your brain and how it functions, and your motor skills reside in your brain, as does your basal ganglia, and that is what produces dopamine so that people with Parkinson's well, everybody is able to move freely and so on and so forth. And people with Parkinson's have to have a replacement of that dopamine so that they can function without tremors. There is also vascular dementia, meaning somebody's had a stroke. There is Lewy body dementia. There is frontal temporal degeneration. 
There is Lou Gehrig's disease, otherwise known as ALS. There is Huntington's disease. It just goes on and on. Uh, Hazimoto disease, these different dementias uh, all have cognitive symptoms, but not all have memory issues. So this is why it is super important to understand this and know that just because you say the word dementia doesn't mean somebody has memory loss. It is just a definition, meaning you're having cognitive impairment that's really affecting everything you do in your life on a daily basis. And sometimes that might come with memory loss, but not always. So I'm going to talk about a few of these diseases, what we think causes them, and kind of make it a little bit more clear for all of you. This is kind of the 101, but um, I think some of you need this. So starting with Alzheimer's, uh, back in 1904, Dr. Alois Alzheimer's was residing in Germany, and in his lab, he worked with another doctor, Stephen Louis. And the two of them ended up discovering two of the biggest types of dementias, and they seem to mirror or mimic each other to a degree. So I will explain Lewy body after Alzheimer's, but uh, Dr. Alois Alzheimer's had a person walk into his office, Augusta Dieter, in 1904, and she said, um, I have seven kids. I can't remember any of their names, and I think I'm losing my marbles. He had her come in, and he studied her for a year, every week for a year. And when she died, he performed an autopsy. He found plaques and tangles in her brain caused by a protein named, uh, I'm sorry, named beta amyloid. So this beta amyloid starts as fluid in your spinal column. And that fluid grows and grows and puddles and will come up through your brain stem into your neck area. And uh, and once it hits that brain stem, the first thing it attacks is your hippocampus. And your hippocampus is what controls your short-term memories being turned into long-term memories. If that process doesn't happen there, then that's where you would start having short-term memory loss. And it is one of the first symptoms that we see with Alzheimer's. When people are being diagnosed with Alzheimer's, that's the first symptom that we look for, short-term memory loss. The second thing we look for is that person not being able to learn new information. That beta amyloid will go through the brain and attack the neurofibrillary fibers in the brain and makes them break off and stop their connections like like cutting a hose in half. And then once that those hoses are are cut, they kind of flail around, they start getting tangled with one another, and they become a block of plaque. 
and then there's nothing to help that synopsis get to its original destination, and that space in between is the lost thought. Eventually, a person with Alzheimer's will have an atrophy of their brain, meaning they're losing density, they're losing brain matter and structure, and they will end up having a brain one-third the size of a normal healthy brain by the time they die. This beta amyloid moves all over the brain, affects different parts of the brain, and uh, can make people have symptoms at different times than other people just by the way it travels through the brain. So we often say if you've seen one person with Alzheimer's, you've seen one person with Alzheimer's. But the truth is that they have many common threads that run throughout whatever their diagnosis is. And this is important because people wonder why sometimes somebody will have a, a real lucid, clear thought and other times they won't. And it's just the way the brain is being attacked by that beta amyloid. It's absolutely fascinating listening uh, to people talk who have Alzheimer's and uh, trying to figure out how they are communicating well at one moment and not very well at the next moment, and so on and so forth. It's a devastating disease that progresses over time, and there is no cure for it. The younger you are, the shorter time you will have to live, and the older you are, the longer you will live. It is just the nature of the beast. I'm going to talk about Lewy body, Parkinson's, vascular, frontal temporal, um, and more when we come back from a short break. And I thank you all for hanging with me today and being willing to learn a little bit more about dementia, what it means, and that it does not mean memory loss. We'll be right back after a short break. Living and working with Alzheimer's and other dementias can often be challenging. Summit Resilience Training provides education, utilizing non-medical approaches for those who work with our friends affected by dementia. Believing families still need one-on-one assistance, we provide classes which help them understand the diseases affecting their loved ones, offering strategies and techniques for success with activities of daily living and working with confusing behaviors. We offer in-home assessments to clarify symptoms of dementia diseases and help families work together to find moments of joy while living with memory loss and impairment. Education programs instilling person-centered care philosophies are offered for professional caregivers working in communities and homes, which can be customized for their staff. Training is also available for first responders, such as law enforcement, fire, and EMT personnel. We are passionate that people with dementias, such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and others, are approached with compassion and understanding, and those who work with them have all the tools they need for success. Call us at Summit Resilience Training, 303-420-6988 to schedule a class or in-home assessment. Visit our website at summitresiliencetraining.com for more information. Welcome back to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. Okay, my friends, today I'm talking about being very clear about what dementia means and what it doesn't mean. And is there a cure for Alzheimer's? No, I'm sorry there isn't. Supplements, 
won't work. Uh, exercise can help you stave off symptoms for a while. It can help keep you healthy. We know antioxidants and things like that can help with Alzheimer's disease. Um, trying to trying to do crossword puzzles and word search and brain games and all those kinds of things could possibly help you to be healthier and stave off the disease. And maybe someday we will find that those things and more, even coffee consumption, can help us to not have it at all. We pray for that day, and we all look for a day when Alzheimer's isn't in our world. But right now, it is. And again, it is the number one type of dementia, and it has 100% memory loss. It is the first symptom that you see, short-term memory loss. It is a way doctors can diagnose it. Next, I'm going to go to Lewy Body. And again, I mentioned that Dr. Louis was in Dr. Alzheimer's office in Germany in the early 1900s, and he noticed something different about some other patients that came in. Those patients had a different protein, not beta amyloid, like Alzheimer's does. This was a cynuclein protein that was invading his patients' brains and destroying their brain matter, also causing atrophy, but it had different symptoms. So when somebody has Lewy body, we look for symptoms closer to agitation, unnormal behavior, uh, being a little bit worse than grouchy, uh, they will say things with no filter on their mouth. I hate you. You're stupid. You're fat. You look horrible in that outfit. Things they would not have said if they were well. We see an extreme change in their personality. It also has symptoms of impatience, um, short attention span, not being able to stay focused on any given subject, lack of intellectual conversation. And all those symptoms happen before memory loss sets in. And oftentimes it happens 12 to 15 years before memory loss sets in. And we may just think that these people are just getting grouchy as they get older, but it's more than that. It's extreme. It's, it's having nothing that they're reacting to that causes their bad behavior. It just comes out of the blue. You might walk by and they hit you. Um, their, their words can be very hurtful. It's, it just is not the person that you know, and it's upsetting to family members when they see these symptoms. So all these happen, and they are extreme, prior to any memory loss setting in. Other symptoms they have mimic Parkinson's disease because Parkinson's is actually related to Lewy body. So some of the things that you might see with a Lewy body person is mild hand tremor, something we call bradykinesis, where they are stiff 
in their movements. They're, they're stiff when they walk. They kind of walk just semi-bent over with a very slow, slow shuffled gait, uh, gait meaning their walk pattern, G-A-I-T. And we will see problems uh, with their uh, ability to be able to stand up straight and things like that. They have um, bad bowels. They are struggling with um, crazy upset stomachs that are off the chart where maybe you think they have some gastric problems. They have disrupted sleep patterns where they fight out in their sleep. And they also can have hallucinations. Uh, people with Alzheimer's will have delusions, a, a thought that they believe to be true, which isn't. But people with Lewy body will have hallucinations, seeing people that are not there, seeing dogs and cats or bugs on a wall or seeing smoke when, you know, and thinking there's a fire when there isn't one. That synuclein protein has a, has a tendency to attack the center of the brain. And there's an area there called the basal ganglia. And that basal ganglia is what creates dopamine for all of us so that we are able to function and move fluidly and easily uh, able to walk and talk and move our arms and dance and everything that we do in a normal way with our motor skills. With... uh, with Lewy body, that synuclein protein attacks the outside of that basal ganglia and causes deterioration of the nerve endings around that, that piece of the brain. And that is what typically causes the hallucinations for not only the people with uh, Lewy body, but also for people with Parkinson's. Lewy body is one of the few diseases where I feel that we sometimes need medications like Seroquel or Trazodone or or something that can cause that person to relax and be more comfortable, allows them to have some quality of life because they are so angry and they are so um, upset in their body and their and their existence that they're difficult to manage. And sometimes if you are working with somebody with Lewy body, you will see that medications can seem to calm them a little bit and help them sleep at night. So uh, that's a that's a really interesting diagnosis. And it's one of the toughest of the brain diseases under the dementia flag that I think uh, there is. Moving to Parkinson's, I explained that the basal ganglia in the center of the brain creates dopamine production. And if you don't have that dopamine production, you can't move very well. That bradykinesia that we see with people with Lewy body is present and, and um, strong. It is a big part of people with with uh, Parkinson's disease. If you are under the age of 65, you are bound to have tremors. Sometimes they are mild, sometimes they are severe, and they are caused by that lack of dopamine. So our friends with Parkinson's disease can 
take a drug that is not a cure, but it is a synthetic dopamine replacement. And typically they would give that, that patient a drug called Cinnamit or Levodopa. It's the same drug. It just one is uh, the generic. They will give them that drug to have a a sort of fake dopamine production, and that helps them to control those tremors and keep them in check so that they can walk and talk and function and hold a cup and hold utensils and and all the things that they want to do. If they are over the age of 65, they would have more of the stiffness. They may have um, more severe memory loss. Um, they lose their audible tone in their voice. That can happen to people under 65 as well, but it's more prominent in people over 65. Um, they think they're speaking loudly when they are not. They're whispering. Um, both, uh, in both cases and scenarios of Parkinson's disease, they will start writing in very small handwriting called micrographia. And um, these are tough symptoms for them to deal with. It uh, can cause them to become reclusive and, and um, not wanting to be around people. They can have more severe swallowing issues earlier in their disease. They can struggle with eating and, and asphyxiate, choke on their food. Uh, Parkinson's is a tough disease to have, but at least the people who have Parkinson's can do some exercise. They can ride bikes. They can do spin classes. They can, they can do a lot of things that can sometimes slow their disease process to a degree and help them to function better for a short period of time. So I love telling my Parkinson's folks, you have a little bit of control over your disease process where the, our Alzheimer's folks and our Lewy body folks do not, um, except for, you know, strategies and techniques of communication skills and things like that of their caregivers. But to have an actual impact on their disease process, Parkinson's is one of the few that can do that. When a doctor is going to diagnose somebody between Lewy body and Parkinson's, they are simply looking for which symptoms came first. And that will tell them if they have Lewy body or Parkinson's. It, I don't want to say it's as simple as that, but that's really part of the criteria that they utilize so that they can really try to understand which one of these diseases are we working with. Um, People with Lewy body don't take levodopa or Cinnamet, uh because they don't need a dopamine production uh, like the people with Parkinson's do. Uh, but still, nonetheless, both diseases are impacting that basal ganglia and cause some pretty severe issues. I'll move now to vascular dementia. Vascular dementia is all about your blood pressure, and your oxygen levels, and your ability for your heart to work at its regular capacity, which powers your lungs, and which powers oxygen to be able to float around in your body and especially reach 
your brain. And it also, the lungs help the heart to send blood throughout the brain. When either of those are not working well together, you can have low blood pressure where you'd pass out and lose consciousness or high blood pressure where you could have a stroke. And if you have a stroke, it is like having an earthquake in the brain and wherever that fault line of the earthquake took place in one of the lobes of the brain or the cerebellum that is encasing and holding the brain together or wherever it is in the brain, that's where you will have the damage. It wouldn't get worse because it doesn't spread around like Alzheimer's or Lewy body or have any issues like Parkinson's, but how it could get worse is if you were to have more strokes. And oftentimes we call them small traumatic brain injuries or TBIs. And if you had more of those TBIs and they branched off to other areas of the brain, then you would have impact and impairment in those areas. But it doesn't spread per se like one of the other diseases does. The best way to control your body from having a stroke is to, first of all, be at a good weight for your size, um, limit alcohol, don't smoke. That can absolutely cause you to have uh, a stroke. Um, You shouldn't smoke anyway. It's not good for your lungs. It's not good for your heart. And I just said, when all those things are working together, this is bad. And um, people don't want to hear this, but Cigarette smoke and marijuana smoke all can impact that and cause you problems later. You just need to know what the consequences of your actions are and that it could result in having some type of an effect on your body like this that is negative and causing that reaction in your brain. You could have a heart attack, you could have lung cancer, you could have pneumonia, or you could have a stroke and have your cognitive awareness impaired. So that's what happens with a stroke. And oftentimes, depending on if it hits the left side or the right side, it will affect the opposite side of the body and can cause stiffness or um, inability to use your limbs. So that is vascular dementia. There is frontal temporal degeneration, which is also a disease. It is caused by a chromosome malfunction, chromosome 9. Chromosome 9 is only supposed to have two components to it. It is not supposed to triple and triple and triple and triple until you have a disease resulting from it. If you have tripling of that chromosome number nine, you will end up with one of two diseases, frontal temporal degeneration or Lou Gehrig's disease, which we call ALS. ALS, I'll start with that one, it takes over someone's body and they lose their motor functions almost immediately. 
they will lose them in the first three to five years, and they typically will only live about 10 years. They can still think and they can still function with no memory loss. It's all cognitive loss. And in that cognitive loss, you're not able to speak, but you can understand what's going on. That's why we've had some really brilliant people come up with ways that someone can utilize their computer by blowing into it and it will read their thoughts and type them on a screen and and so on and so forth. And we've been able to have some real um, progressive good things happening with people with ALS because they can still function by using computers even if they can't use their voice or their arms or their legs. Um, They can even use their eyesight to type on screens. I just think this is amazing. But typically, ALS does not come with memory loss. Now, the other cousin to it is frontal temporal degeneration, and it is usually thought of to have a, a, uh, they call it a C9-ORF-72 component to it, an additional component to it, where there are three types of frontal temporal. One is the motor, just like our friends with ALS, but the problem is with a person with, with um, frontal temporal motor skills, they can't talk and often they lose their cognition to be able to even say what they want, um, that not recognizing objects and having other, other issues and symptoms that happen with, with the, the lobes of the brain, especially the frontal lobe, which is judgment and reasoning It has a bit to do with language. It has impulse control. It has personality issues and and things of that nature. And then the temporal lobe with recognizing objects and your emotions and reading and writing skills and other things that, that happen with that lobe. So we see them deteriorate, but they're not able to talk. And oftentimes they can only blink to tell you what they want. And for some reason, our friends that have the motor skill problems of FTD don't get the same attention or the same care that our ALS friends get with being able to use computers and things like that. I don't know why. It just is what it is. The second type is primary progressive aphasia. Like I said, there's three prongs to FTD, motor, primary progressive aphasia is number two, and it is a person that has trouble with their language skills. So they lose words. They have apraxia. They can't come up with words. Anagnosia, being able to speak the words and and talk about them and, and have an intellectual conversation. And so people think they have memory loss because they can't come up with the word, but it has nothing to do that with that. It is just affecting the language skills of that person for the most part. And oftentimes they walk around and they look healthy and they're they're um, in any other way seeming normal, but they can't carry on a conversation with you. They might have echophasia. They repeat the things that you say. Um to a T, um, and they cannot come up with words, or they will just say the same phrases over and over and over again. The third type is behavioral, and the behavioral symptoms are just terrible. 
Uh, because it's the frontal lobe, they they lose their judgment and reasoning. They they lose the the space between right and wrong. They say whatever they want to say. There's no filter on their mouth, but they don't look sick. They have no memory loss. They just seem like they are just behaving badly. We think they are the biggest jerk on the planet. They have apathy for the people they are talking to. If they hurt your feelings, they couldn't care less. Um, they often engage in extramarital affairs and uh, searching pornography at a rate that seems unusual. They may engage in inappropriate massages or with um, ladies of the night or men of the night, whatever you want to call it. Uh, so hookers and things like that. They spend money unbelievably rapidly and with no um, no refrain. They are just spending money like crazy. Often they don't pay their bills. They have extreme behavior problems and families often say, this person seems like somebody I don't know. They feel like um, a stranger to me. And we see this over and over again. I had a, an opportunity to speak at an FTD conference, and there was a psychiatrist there, Hal Wurzel, from University of Colorado Hospital, and he works at the VA. And Hal was talking about how there are all these people that are somewhere around the age of 50, um, and this disease in any of the three prongs hits people typically bef- between 44 and 64. And he said he can't believe how many people are probably in jail or in prison because they committed some heinous crime when they have never even run a light and gotten a ticket before. But once they this disease sets in, they start doing things like um, stealing objects from people and stores and um, behaving badly around their family members. They have a lack of impulse control, so they can't stop themselves from doing something that they shouldn't, even if it's a crime. Um, they can become violent and difficult to work with in some cases, not in all. And it's just a super, super difficult, difficult, difficult disease to work with. I I just thought it might be good today to kind of bring a few of these to the forefront. You may recognize somebody that you live with um, that I have described a little bit. Um, You may say, hey, gosh, uh, this maybe isn't Alzheimer's that we're dealing with. Maybe this is Lewy body that we're dealing with. And find some some uh, common ground that maybe would make a little sense to you. And if you do think somebody in your family or somebody you know or love is having these problems, write down your symptoms. And then when you go to your doctor, your uh, general practitioner or a neurologist, you can have some information that will help them to make the correct diagnosis. And that's important because the strategies that we use and the techniques that we utilize are very different for each one of these diseases. And they all have something different. So just to recap, um, our friends with Alzheimer's have, have memory loss first. Our people with Lewy body have it second and much later. 
um, our people with vascular dementia may never get memory loss. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that they will. Our frontal temporal people don't typically get memory loss. Our ALS people don't get memory loss. And our Parkinson's folks, about 80% of them will eventually have some type of memory loss through the course of their disease. I hope this was helpful. I dive into these diseases deeper all the time. Go on my website, summitresiliencetraining.com. Go to my knowledge center, learn more. Under the search bar for my podcast, you can put in whatever disease you want to hear about and pull up any old show that you like. Uh, They will rise to the top depending on what you put in the search bar. I wish you all a happy new year. And I will see you next week on Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. You've been listening to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. To learn more about her resources, services, classes, or to book speaking engagements, visit Jill's website at summitresiliencetraining.com. A new podcast drops every Tuesday, so join us as we learn more about dementias, resilience, and overcoming obstacles to find a positive outcome. Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz can be found on your favorite podcast provider. Please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Musical and technical support provided by Brian Hunter. See you next week.